Welcome to the great subsidy game. You can keep pretending for quite a long time that net zero is not going to cost much more and not for very long. And the era of abundant cheap energy is just around the corner. But eventually the truth will be out. And it is. It's going to be very expensive. Worth doing? Properly? Yes. Pretending it's cheap? No. And the dam has broken on this cheap illusion. Everyone's in the business now of demanding subsidies from government. And all the lobbyists are earning their fees and plenty more. One day it's the steel industry, next it's the battery factories, then it's offshore wind that needs to renegotiate contracts entered into in competitive auctions. And then you can add to it the great customer demand for subsidies. We all expect to have the government protect us from the realities of Putin's horrors in Ukraine and the great gas price shock. Small business, large business, customers across the board. And of course, subsidies too for new nuclear power, for CCS offshore, for hydrogen, and so on and so forth. And there's no subsidy campaign without the NFU joining in as well and wanting farmers to have more subsidies because the costs have gone up. And if you look across the political divide and ask yourself, well, is this just bad conservative government or is this general? And the bad news is that both main political parties are in the subsidy business joining what's going on elsewhere in the world. Under Labour, it's all of the above. And on top of that, it's Great British Energy, which we were told at the party conference will be the EDF of Britain. And you can bet that if Labour seriously means to get to zero emissions for the power sector, not even net zero, but zero emissions for the power sector by 230 that if they come into power in end of 224 or 225, it's going to take an enormous amount of government money to get over the line. And frankly, it's a pretty seriously lost cause. They're never going to make it by 230 anyway. And what all of these things have in common is that they're all about energy. It's, of course, open to other sectors of the economy to campaign for subsidies. But one of the great achievements of Labour and Conservative governments over the last 20 or 30 years has been to wean off the broader economy from the idea that it doesn't matter how inefficient you are or how unprepared you are for the shocks of world markets, you know, there's government there to bail you out. We've got off the subsidy junkies which we used to have back in the 1970s. And for the rest of the economy, most of that is at the moment being held at bay, but not for energy. And it's not just here. You can see it elsewhere. Look at the Americans' Inflation Reduction Act, an act that's never been more misnamed for its purpose, which is to subsidise energy, essentially. And with it, the Infrastructure Act and the CHIPS Act. 
This is massive state intervention on the scale not seen since Roosevelt's New Deal. So they're at it, and there's no evidence that the Republicans in America are against it. Indeed, the Trump legacy is that you subsidise your friends. Europe is trying to catch up and trying to reconfigure its competition policy and its energy policy to deal not just with the Russians, but now to deal with the Americans too. Caught between the very high gas prices in, in Europe compared with the very low gas prices in the US and the very high subsidies coming forward in the US and the very low subsidies in Europe, a massive screeching U-turn is in play. And the EU will probably surrender one of its greatest achievements, which is to have an open internal energy market free from state aids, which are deliberately designed to muck up competition. Well, state aids, protections, and the competition policy that goes with it is likely to be one of the biggest long-term casualties of the great Russian gas crisis. And then there's Little Britain, or Little UK. Here we are, out of the EU, Brexit land, and however much we might like to think that we're a great world power and a massive economy, we're not, and there is a limit to how much money we can spend how much subsidy can actually be carried before the bond markets do another panic, as they did with the unfunded spending of trusts and Quetang. We really don't have the global determination of net zero and the global mitigation of climate change in our hands. We're small, offshore, brexited from Europe, and we now have to work out how to play second fiddle to the US initiatives and the US new leadership on climate change. So in this lobby-rich, capture-rich, subsidy world that we're now entering on the energy front, what should we do? Should governments just cave in to each lobbyist as they bring forward the detailed numbers of jobs at stake should we cave in to the Drax plans for BECs, despite the emissions, which are, in my view, wrongly not calculated in UK emissions, the PA 2.5s, and the environmental consequences of their supply chain? Should we cave in and pay Tata and Jaguar so that we have a battery factory in Somerset, where there are lots of jobs at stake? I'm sure that the lobbyists will be looking at marginal seats working out how to leverage politics ahead of the next election, being able to headline the jobs and then make bold claims to the contribution of their particular interest to the great British economic growth plans, which both parties have. But lobbyists earn their money because the political process and indeed the wider civil service is gullible to these sorts of claims. I think what we should do is three things in this new subsidy world. First, we should admit that net zero is not going to be as cheap as many of the activists 
and quite a lot of the politicians and Skidmore and indeed even the Treasury too have claimed. It may be a great economic opportunity. It's certainly something that we should get on with and do. But it's time that we thought quite hard about telling the truth and recognising that there's a limited amount of money that can be spent on subsidies. Subsidies to one vested interest is going to be less money to some other vested interest. Choices will have to be made. And by admitting it's costly and admitting the budget is limited, that means we start a rational discussion of if you want X, then you can't have Y. And that seems to me to be one of the great lessons that politicians should learn from the queue of subsidy claimants at the government's door. And especially in the context that the EU and the US are going to do this on a very large scale. Second, since we've got limited monies and we want the best climate change bucks for our money, then we should think general. And what I mean by general is that we should use auctions instead of doing case by case, tech by tech, because what that latter means is more capture, more inefficiency, more cost, and ultimately failure to achieve the overall objectives. So admit that it's going to be costly. Admit that it might be a great economic opportunity, but it's going to be a great subsidy cost too. Think general, use auctions, do it in a general fashion. And then the third thing is to do it properly. We owe it to the next generation. We owe it to our global contribution to do net zero in an efficient way. And what that means is a proper market design, a proper carbon price, a proper carbon border adjustment, all of those as a start to get us going. And lots of people object to being confronted with the cost of the pollution they're causing. It's ultimately all caused by us humans, you and me, us consumers. But the reality is that disguising the costs in the case-by-case -case subsidies is not going to leave us off the hook. We'll have to pay anyway. And it makes a lot of sense to think about carbon border adjustments as opposed to simply bail out one large energy user that's exporting or facing import competition on a case-by-case -case basis. So admit the costs, think general, do it properly. And what if we don't? which after all we have to admit is the most likely and sad outcome. Well, if the left and the right both fall for this new subsidy-rich case-by-case world we've got into, then all I can say is prepare for a big bill and a recognition that post-Brexit, the UK not only has a lot less clout in the EU and also the US, but also a lot less influence and power and, crucially, a lot less money. So admit the costs, think general, do it properly and put an end to the free-for-all of subsidies that we are now engaged in. Thank you.